0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com.
1: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Let's pray. Lord, we give you glory. You are a great God, and we want our praise of you to be great. You who are the creator of the heavens and the earth, and all that is belongs to you, Lord. We want all of our life, all that we do, to bring glory and honor to that great name, We ask you, God, to give us hearts that are open and teachable this morning as Randall brings and breaks the word, that we might take of it, that we might be changed, that we would not look into the word and walk away unchanged, but we would take that word into our hearts and allow your Holy Spirit to do the work within us, Lord. We give you glory and honor. We ask you to anoint Randall as he speaks. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks, Nancy. All right, and so if you're new this morning, I just wanna welcome you, your first-time visitor. If I haven't met you yet, I would love to talk with you, meet you, I'm just glad you came out this morning. Um, and so last week, we had Vision Sunday, and so we do this twice a year, we talk about the vision, and it was, it was an amazing time to, to really think on all that God has done, and we believe that all that God is going to do in the future. Um, you know, one of the things that we set out as a goal for 2019 is 30, 20, 2010, And so what we talked about is um, having 30 new volunteers jumping in. And, and here's, here's the thing. God doesn't just call us to serve on a Sunday morning, right? He calls us to serve seven days a week. But I believe that the church is a great training ground on on what it looks like to serve others. And so just being around, serving, having that mindset. And so we're praying that 30 new volunteers are going to jump in, um, $20,000 per month. And so we want to grow in our giving. Um, We are only able to be here... Because somebody gave. And so as our church continues to grow and expand, um, it's because of people who sacrificed. And so a lot of us, we're still raising support and doing things to get this church continuing to grow. And so for us, it's like, we wanna be a church that plants churches. We want to be an established church that says we want to plant more churches in the future, so we want to grow in this area, and we want to have 10 healthy city groups, okay? And so all of those things are our goals that we're setting out for 2019, and then March 17th, if you haven't heard yet, we're going to do two services for a little over two months. So we're going to try it out, see how it works out, and uh, hopefully we can just reach more people and just be a great opportunity uh, to grow personally as a, as a church, Okay. Um, Now, so that's some of the church goals. But one of the things we set out as well is we gave out these CBR journals, um, a community Bible reading journal. Um, And so for some of you, it's like, man, I don't know where to start in the Bible. And in here, there's a Bible reading plan. And then there's a journal section. And so been able to do it every day, and we have started out in Genesis. If you haven't been able to get your hands on one yet, you can go on the website. It has the reading plan on there. And then next week, we got more coming for you, okay? So grab one. We want you to be in the Word this year. That's my biggest prayer, is that as a church, we love God's Word. We love God's Word. And so we are starting out this year going through the book of Genesis, because... As we look at the statistics and just our Bible knowledge in the United States, we could be seen as biblically illiterate. We don't, we don't have the basics of the Bible. And so we're like, okay, where do we start this year? We're starting at the very beginning. We're starting in Genesis. And um, the series is called The Gospel in Genesis. Here's the thing about the gospel. The gospel, we think of with Jesus coming, right? We think of Jesus coming, dying for our sins, raising from the dead. But I want you to know that the gospel is all throughout the Bible. It's all throughout. So you're gonna see it in Genesis. You're gonna see it all throughout the Bible. The good news of God, his grace, his mercy, his love. And you're gonna see Jesus all throughout the Bible. And we're gonna see him today in Genesis 1. And so um, as we look at The text today, we are looking at Genesis 1, 1 through 8. And here's the message. God is creator. God is creator. As Apollo 8's three-man crew looked down on the earth from 250,000 miles away on Christmas Eve 1968, Commander Frank Borman radioed back a message. We are now approaching lunar sunrise, and for all the people on earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we'd like to send you. And then all of them began to read Genesis 1, 1 through 10. After they finished, Commander Borman ended by saying this, And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. Later, Borman explained, I had an enormous feeling that there had to be a power greater than any of us, that there was a God, that there was indeed a beginning. This is a perspective from somebody who's looked down on earth and seen that he was this small in comparison To all that God had created. As we look at Genesis 1 1 through 8, this should give us a glimpse. A glimpse, very much like Commander Borman and those on the Apollo 8 were able to experience, where we step back and see how small we are and how massive. And magnificent goddess see today we're looking at one of the most famous literary pieces in the world but if we don't go in carefully we can miss the nuances and the meaning behind Genesis 1 because many times what we do is we start with the wrong questions we start with the wrong questions Timothy Keller says about this, he says, I'm pretty certain after many years of thinking, Genesis 1 is not designed to answer the question of how, which many of us are asking right now, how? It's designed to talk about why. It's designed to talk about what creation means and its significance and so on. What it does mean is you have to be relatively careful not to push the details because it's not there to give you details. What we really need to know about this world is, why did God make it? What is it for? How do we live in it rather than how long did it it take to do it? And exactly, how did it happen? You see, many times we get caught up in sideways conversations and miss the beauty of this text. And so my hope today is to help pull out the nuances that should really help us as we study Genesis 1. Do I believe God literally created the world? Yes. Do we know that there are things that within science and in within uh, research that shows that God is the creator? Yes. But today, Genesis 1, we need to look at it not as a textbook, but as what it is in its literary context, a poem, it's a poem. See, Genesis one is the opening to the Hebrew and Christian Bible. And according to the scriptures, this is the beginning of history, universe, and mankind. And it has a literary form. It is a poem. See, many have tried to argue that Genesis one and two, somehow they contradict but they're not reading it in its literary form. You see, Genesis 1 is a song. Genesis 2 is more of a historical reporting of what happened. And so as we read the story of creation, it should cause us to ask three questions. And so I'm gonna give you all three questions. We're gonna break these down from the text today. The first one is this. Who is this about? Who is this about? Number two, how did this happen? And number three, Why does this matter? Okay, who is this about? How did this happen? Why does this matter? So the first one, who is this about? Look at verses one and two. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, this section in its entirety uh, really should be blocked off from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 2-3. Their are bookends, essentially, to this section. And so how does it start? Well, it starts out in verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. How does it end? It ends in 2-3 when it says, then God blessed the heavens, the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now let's ask, who is this story about? Who is this story about? Well, scholars say that there is a pattern throughout the whole poem that continually points to God. God is mentioned 35 times throughout this section. The first subject in Genesis and the Bible is God. This is without a, a doubt the story of God. He is unquestionably the hero. And Genesis 1 gives us a picture of who he is. See, what we find as we look at Genesis 1 is that God is not an abstract force or a concept or a feeling, but what we find throughout the Bible is that God is a community. One God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Trinity. Genesis 1, 26 would not make sense outside of it. What does God say there? He says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. One God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I said this about a month ago, but I think it's worth saying again. You know, there was a TED Talk called The Importance of Loneliness by a guy named Brendan Myers. And one of the things he said is that, he said that God is lonelier than you or I. That's one of the things he says. God is lonelier than you or I. But he's not talking about the God of the Bible. Because the God of the Bible has never been lonely. You see, God, from the very start, was a community. A loving community of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And what that means is that God is not dependent on a relationship with you and me. He's always been in an eternal loving community before the beginning. And so he's not creating you and me so that he could love something, but he is loved for all eternity. And so we see that this God... One God, three persons, creates, not out of a need for you and me. He didn't need us, but out of a desire to share his goodness and love with no strings attached. God is sufficient within himself, yet he chose to lovingly create us. See, who is this story about? It's about an all-powerful, loving, creative God. That's where it starts. In the beginning, God. Second, we see how did this happen? The second part of, of verse one it says, "God created the heavens and the earth." And then down to verses three and five, it says, "And God said, "Let there be light and there was light." And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So verse 1 says that God created. And this is very important because this word for created is not used anywhere else except for with God. The word is ex nihilo. And what this means is that God created out of nothing. Out of nothing. And so there was no, nothing that was formed that God said, I'm just going to rearrange this. No, it was out of nothing that God created. And so this first tells us that God is not like you and me. He is a creator that creates from nothing. In, ver- in verses like Ephesians three nine, attributes this to the Father, God the Father. Like we talk about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Father sets out this plan, and out of nothing, we see in verse one it says, that "Out of the Father, this comes." Verse two it starts out by saying that the earth had no form or void, and that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters we see is that the Holy Spirit is there at the very beginning working within creation. Verse three tells us that God said, let there be light and there was light. If we look at John one, it's very interesting in the New Testament when Jesus comes into the picture because here's what it says about Jesus and John one. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And as it goes through John 1, you could read through it, it all points to Jesus. And so what we find is that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are at creation working together to create the world in unison. The creation the creation of the cosmos, everything together, the Trinity is there, intentionally working together so that we have what we have today. Astronaut Chris Hadfield said, the world, when you look at it, just can't be random. I mean, it's so different than the vast emptiness that is everything else and even all the pla- other planets we've seen, at least in our solar system, none of them even remotely resemble the precious life-giving nature of our own planet. See, these are people who've studied, who've researched. They say there's nothing like this creation. And so how did this happen? It is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit coming together to create The cosmos. And so lastly, why does this matter? Verse 8 and and verse 31. Here's what verse 8 says And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. But then if you go down to verse 31, here's what it says And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. We need to ask, why does this matter? The first takeaway that we need to see is that this matters because the world is real. It's real. It's It's not some abstract thing like the matrix. This is real. Like God created it. He made it. And what that means is that today what you do matters. It matters. Because as God has created things and brought things into existence, It matters. And so what we find is that as we see that God created the world, we don't run from the world, but we see that God created it and we engage it. We don't just wait for, well, it's just a spiritual thing. But no, God made spirit. He made physical. He made all of these things. And so God is saying, engage what's around you. It matters. But secondly, it was, very, it was created very good. Verse 31 says, and behold, it was very good. Now there's a lot to this. But one of the, the, the things that, that as we think about it is, you know, in church, we've heard it before. Oh, that's of the devil, <laughs> right? That's, that's evil, that's of the devil. There's this thing, you know, it's like, all these things are of the devil, Here's the thing the devil has never created a thing in his existence. He's never created anything. And so, what we find is that God is the only one who creates. And there's only distortions of what God's created. And as we look at what God's created, it says it was very good. And what we find is that God is rejoicing over his creation. God is looking at all that he has created and he is celebrating. He's celebrating. Think about this for a minute, for a minute. You know Zephaniah 3:17, it talks about this mindset where it's talking about God. And it says this little quotation says he will exalt over you with loud singing. He will exalt over you with loud singing. You know, one of the things that my wife does sometimes, she'll go into our kids' room and she'll wake them up and she'll start singing. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it and be glad. And here's the thing. <laughs> they don't feel the words of that song in that moment right (laughs) but you want to know how the beginning of the world started it's with a god who sang over his creation and brought all the things that were in disorder into order What does this say about you and me? Is that as God sings over his creation, right, just as a mother sings over her children, that there is a love and a care that he has for each part of his creation. And that you and I have inherent value and worth, not because... We just say we do, but because God has sang it into your existence. That's why. You know, I saw this Instagram post of this girl, and she's my age. she's like nine, and she's accomplished some really great things, but she put, um, I am special. And then she wrote under in the caption, when I was five, someone told me that I was, I was not special. And she's like, but I really am special. And then there's all these people that are arguing, well, if you're, if you're special, then that means that other people have to not be special for you to be special. And then I saw somebody else write, well, you can be special in your own unique way. And the thing is that God has uniquely created each and every one of us differently in his own special way. And so as we see that this matters, it's because when you look at other beliefs, where we say we just came to be, we just exist, we don't know why, We have nothing to hang our hat on and say, that's why you and I matter. That's why our lives matter. See, if we say we just got here, we evolved in some way or something just happened where it's just, boom, we're here. What do you hang your hat on? If we follow it through all the way to the end and we say, this is why each person matters. We see a loving God coming and creating you and I. And so just some simple takeaways. What what can we learn from God being creator? What can we learn? The first one is this, to start with God. To start with God. See, many of us, when we wake up in the morning, we start with me, right? We start with me, it's, it's like the beginning of my day. And, and so this is what I need to do. And we have this whole checklist of all the things that I need to do. And so we start with me and not with God. And what up ends up happening? Maybe throughout the day, halfway through the day, we're doing okay, but by the end of the day, everything is chaotic, confusing. I had a terrible day, you know, all of those types of things. There was an article that came out January 5th, uh, 2019. And Helen Peterson uh, wrote a BuzzFeed article. Here's what it's, it's entitled. It says, how millennials became the burnout generation. And she uses phrases like errand paralysis. You felt that? You got like so much to do on your checklist. You just don't know how it's going to get done. And so instead of doing anything, you just can't do it. Can't get out of the house. Aaron paralysis. She used the phrase, inbox of shame. I don't know if you've ever come to your email box and had over a hundred emails. Saw my wife's, uh, it was like (laughs) a thousand. So how do you get through that? (laughs) Right? There's the inbox and you're like, like, how do you, where do you start? She said that even this generation has created a word called adulting. (laughs) Adulting. How do I function in the world? Well, it's just adulting, and so I just don't know how to adult, be an adult, you know, adulting. Um, When we start our day with me, it can be overwhelming. And many times what our life looks like is the chaos and disorder that we see before God started speaking and creating, right? I sat with a friend this week and I said, how much do you base your value on what you do more than on what God's done? You wanna know how Genesis 2, 3 ended in that little section? says that God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. What that should point us to is that we should start with what God's done before we jump into what I need to do. And what you're going to find is that God is going to start to bring things into order in your life. So again, I challenge you with the CBR journal or something to get you into the word each day, because we need to know that we are not the creator of the universe. We're not the ones who hold our lives together. Isn't it easy to just believe that? It'll happen on a daily basis if we start with me. So that's one takeaway. Another takeaway is this see God's uniqueness. See God's uniqueness. No one is like God. Like I said before, God creates out of nothing, ex nihilo. There's no other God or goddess that creates like this in any other religious system out of nothing. Not in mythology or other religious belief systems. Derek Thomas says, other ancient Near Eastern creation stories from Egypt and Mesopotamia, for example, assume that their gods worked with material that already existed. However, biblical testimony here and elsewhere insists that at the point of the beginning, there was nothing apart from God. And what exists apart from God was brought into being by him. Why is this important? You and I have a God that created out of nothing, out of nothing. And so he has the power to provide in places where you feel like there's nothing. Where there's nothing. The moments where you feel like I'm out of strength. I don't have the wisdom. No passion, no direction, no mental space. God, the God of creation, has the power to bring something out of nothing. So what do we do? We come to him and we say, God, can you give me what I don't have? Can you strengthen me in these places where there is nothing? Because Jesus says in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I always underlined the nothing part because there are things that I think, yeah, I can do that. I can, right? But what he's saying is on your strength, you can do nothing of significance. That's really going to matter and last for the long run. And it's gonna be out of your strength and your ability, and you won't have enough to see it through. Come to me, depend on me and my strength. And what this takes, lastly, is to surrender to Him. To surrender to Him. Many of us are holding on to the reins of our life, and, and all of this is bringing disorder and chaos. Right? It might just be a subtlety where we try to cover it up, but it's there. And like I said before, God is the one who brings order in chaos. He brings order in chaos. You know, one of the things that I think Netflix intentionally did this, but there's a new show by a lady named Marie Kondo. And so some of you have been watching it. And what it's about is, you know, she she is the expert on tidying up. Tidying up those spaces, those places that you just don't want anybody to see in your house, right? Or where or you're just like, I just don't know how to clean this up and get things straight in my life. And I admit, I watched it. I watched it. And one of the episodes, um, there's a lady and she just comes to um, Marie and she's just like, I, I don't know how I'm gonna keep this going. I, I mean, I, I can get started, but I, like I, I'm scared because I don't know how I'm gonna keep this going. I know how to start the, I don't know how to finish it. And here's the thing. More, more than any part of the show, I resonated with that right? Like, I know how to start things, but I don't know how to see it through all the way to the end and and just become a part of my life. And what I've found is that God is calling us in those times where it's not try harder, it's surrender. Surrender to something greater than yourself. When I hit those roadblocks, it's not Man, what do I need to do? It's, God, can you help me? Can you help me, God? And then from there, help me to be obedient to this. Change my heart. Change me from the inside out. Elizabeth Elliot once talked about surrender, and here's what she says. When the the surrender of ourselves seems too much to ask, it is first of all, because our thoughts about God himself are paltry. We have not really seen him. We've hardly tested him at all and learned how good he is. In our blindness, we approach him with suspicious reserve. We ask how much of our fun he intends to spoil, how much he will demand from us, how much is the price we must pay before he is placated. If we had the least notion of his loving kindness and tender mercy, his fatherly care for his poor children, his generosity, his beautiful plans for us, if we knew how patiently he waits for our turning to him, how gently he means to lead us to green pastures and still waters, how carefully he is preparing a place for us, how ceaselessly he is ordering and ordaining and engineering his master plan for our good. If we had any inkling of all this, Could we be reluctant to let go of our smashed dandelions or whatever we clutch so fiercely in our sweaty little hands? right, don't we just work ourselves up so much, hold on to control so tightly when God is saying, would you trust me? Would you come to me? Would you learn from me? Because what we see from creation is there's a God who created in a way that we can't understand. So vast, so amazing. We can't comprehend it. What could he do in our lives if we surrendered to him? See, one of the reasons I think a lot of us hold on to control is what Elizabeth Elliot pointed out. We have not really seen him. We, we, we don't really know who God is. Maybe some of us have grown up and we've seen him as creator and this judge and this God who's just out there or maybe just an abstract force that set everything into motion, but could it be that God is much more than you or I? Give him credit for How do we see him for much more than he is? It's when we see that the God who created us and he created all things didn't just create from a distance, but came and broke through into his creation. What's the story of the incarnation? What's the story of God becoming man? The miraculous what we would say is the impossible coming true. It was the song becoming a person, alive. And John, his best friend on earth, an eyewitness, who's the one who wrote, In the beginning, God. In in the beginning, the word. Here's what he says. In verse 14 of John 1, he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace as you start to see God for who he truly is, the majestic God who created from the very beginning, but also the God who came into his creation and loved us like that, you'll start to sing. You'll start to sing. You'll start to sing a song that will bring joy to your heart because of the transforming power of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're creator. But also, you became one of us. You came to your creation. You showed us what it was to truly be human. To love. To show grace, to show mercy. And you showed it to sinful people. And we ended up putting you on a cross. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for this testimony of this song, of this poem of creation. I pray as we dive into this series, Lord, we'll see more and more of the beauties of this. I've only scratched the surface today. There's so much to it. But I just thank you Lord that it's true. We pray this all in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.